You are listening to Master Coaching with Ajit, a podcast that inspires coaches to impact lives of their clients more meaningfully. I am Coach Ajit, and I'm known for coaching high performers, entrepreneurs, and leaders. I'm also a serial entrepreneur and author of many books. On this podcast, I am answering your burning questions. I'm also demonstrating and deconstructing behind-the-scenes coaching sessions. Hi, Arti. Hi, Ajit. How are you doing? I'm good. How about yourself? Good, good. How has your day been until now? Oh, it's been good. Uh, it's been good. It has also been a little bit of an emotional roller coaster because I've been trying to think about what I want to talk to you about. And, uh, you know, that brings up a whole bunch of things. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it, it's been an interesting day. There's been a few insights already. So, yeah. It's beautiful. I mean, already an insight. We haven't really started <laughs> talking. That's amazing. We already <laughs> won here, Arthur. We already won here. So, so tell me what are the emotions that have been coming up? I think a bit of frustration, a bit of feeling lost, right? A bit of an identity crisis, if that's the right way of putting it. So those are the things that have been coming up for me. Tell me tell me more about what, what's causing frustration. The frustration is, it's caused by knowing what I need to do, knowing where I want to go, but realizing that I really struggle with consistency and also knowing the importance of consistency, right? So it's not like I don't know the importance of it. So knowing it, but still not nailing it, I think that's where the frustration is. So I've done all the work. I've read the atomic habits. I've done the coaching. So I know how important it is to make these kind of small shifts and changes but it's that inconsistency that I keep showing that's frustrating me. What is it that in your mind as of now, before you start talking, is the reason why you find yourself to be inconsistent? Is there something that you have identified already? Like, oh, that's the reason why probably, and this is what I can do about it. Were you able to identify something? I've identified the explanations <laughs> and the excuses, <laughs> but I don't think I've identified what I could do to, I mean, so on a theory level, I know what I need to do to change it, but I haven't identified why I don't stay consistent. So I've gone through bouts of it, right? I've gone through creating this new routine that is kick-ass and sticking to it for six months and then sticking to it for another three months or whatever. But my issue is that it keeps falling off and getting back on is always a struggle. And sometimes I get derailed for months on end, right? And that's the struggle. I understand that it's okay to get derailed once in a while. Everyone does get derailed for a little bit. For me, it's that getting back on board, which is the big issue over here. Arti, is that the thing that you want to cover today or is there something else that you want to discuss? I want to just be mindful of what your goal today would be or how you would be served best today versus whatever came up as we start conversation. Because once we go into this direction, we'll keep talking about this direction. I don't know how long it will take. So be right. mindful towards your desire today. I think so. I think because nailing this would probably help me improve in a lot of other areas that I want to improve in. But I think this is the one place where I keep tripping. Mm -hmm. So as you were sharing that there's a point where, let's say three months or six months into a thing, you fall off the wagon. What causes that fall off? Have you been able to reflect on that for a second? Yes. So a lot of times it's my family commitments because it's like, for example, right now, my daughter is not doing too well, right? And it's been about two weeks and all my attention has been on focusing on her 
And I totally get the whole thing about, you know, the self-help, the, you know, taking care of yourself and all of that. And I, I'm trying to take out time to do that, but mentally I'm just not in a space to be able to give attention to everything else. Right. So, and I already see that pattern again coming in where everything is falling by the roadside and that seems to happen a lot. So a lot of times when, when there's anything that needs kind of urgent attention in my head, everything falls off. And that's where the frustration is because I know that I can do more. I know that because I'm paying attention to my daughter doesn't mean that I can't do these other things. I know I'm capable, but I won't move and I won't do it. Okay. So let me tell you a little bit about uh, what happened a couple of months ago for me, right? So I was doing really diligent work on my health and well-being and mostly around being able to go to the gym and be able to work out. I love the gym. I love working out. I'm super passionate about it. I can do it all the time, right? I shouldn't and I don't, but I could do it literally every day. You could put me in the gym for an hour and it would be my place of rest. I absolutely love it. And what happened is a few months ago, we decided we were doing this event in Tallinn, uh, super coach experience. And so we're like, all right, if you're going there, we want to, of course, not just go for a couple of days and just go to the event, come back. Let's go stay there for like a month, month and a half. And also because my wife's 40th was coming up, let's go plan a thing around that and let's take the kids, of course, with us because it's like, you know, it's a long, long trip. We want to leave the kids back for that. So we decided all of that, right? And one of the part of the plans was my parents were kind enough to say, hey, we're going to come down from India. That way we get to hang out with you. We get to travel Europe. And when you guys go out to Turkey or when you need to do your things in the day, we would love to watch the kids. So we're like, great. So we have somebody that the kids feel safe with. We feel safe with. And we could go about our lives. So we didn't, like the backup plan was them, right? And then there's, of course, you could find local help, which we did eventually. But when we went in there, something happened because that my parents couldn't show up. We had other people coming in. So we were still able to get some help and we hired some local help. But my kids didn't really take on to the help that we found locally. Like they just, what it didn't resonate with them. They were not sleeping well. They didn't want to hang out with them. We couldn't get late. So we couldn't attend the parties fully as much as we wanted to and so on and so forth. Or one of us had to take the turn, either me or my wife. And so, of course, at that point, like you are in the last two weeks, I wasn't able to take care of my health at all. I wasn't able to go to the gym. I signed up for the gym for the whole you know period of time that I was there. And I went twice. And I was there for maybe six weeks, right? Off and on, off and on. But like off and on in the sense we were in the country, then we went to Turkey, so on and so forth. But maybe I went twice, maybe three times in total, right? And of course, when I came back to Austin... Other things happened and life got in the way and I wasn't able to get back on the horse and get back into the routine. Now, the reason why I tell you this story is eventually I did get back to my routine. Eventually, of course, now I'm going to gym at least two times a week, three times a week, depending on how my days are structured and so forth, which is what I want as my routine. I, I don't want to go every day uh, because it's not helpful to the body. But what happened that time is the recognition of saying that what is important to me Mm-hmm. is an arbitrary need of following a habit or arbitrary need of saying I must put myself first versus the world that I actually live in, which is world that is full of life and full of relationships, right? Mm-hmm. I have my relationship with my kids. I have my relationship with my wife. I have my relationship with my friends. This is sometimes a problem when we talk about personal growth and personal responsibility and personal everything is it's true and the world's not personal. When somebody is so attached to their personal world, we usually call them a narcissist, right? right? <laughs> we actually true. have a term that we go, oh, that's not a good thing. 
But for some reason in personal growth, we think that, oh, I must take care of myself and me first and my needs first. That's not how the world works. We live in a relationship world. You have a relationship with your daughter. You have a relationship with your parents, your partner, your friends. There's tons of relationships to be followed up on. And that's what really kind of is part of the joy. The joy is not just when you can sit and meditate for an hour, right? That is joy, yes. And it is joy in hanging out with your kids and taking care of them and wearing little bands, even if it is completely counter to what you would otherwise wear, because that's the world we live in. That's Mm -hmm. what a relational world looks like. And that's what we live in. You live in, I live in. So where is it that we find, first of all, the acceptance of life Mm -hmm. beyond the expectation that we may have laid upon ourselves, Mm -hmm. right? Because the expectation that Arti has of herself is I must do this every day because I've had this habit for three months. Why would I fall off the wagon? Mm-hmm. Right? That's the expectation that Arti has of herself. But the life she lives in, the world she lives in, is a world where you will fall off. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to fall off. It's not mm-hmm. to judge. It's not to comment. It's not to wonder why that happened. It is to know that it will happen again and again and again. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Right. So the reason why I'm sharing this story with you to reflect on my personal experience is because when you approach something saying, you know what, my daughter's not doing well, that's why I got off it. You would create a negative experience for yourself mm-hmm. and the relationship you have with your daughter. Not in the sense of, of course, she's your daughter, you'll never have a negative relationship per se, but but you get my drift. You'll feel like that your personal life or you couldn't prioritize yourself because of something happened with your daughter. That's not a great place to create a new habit from or to create a new identity from or to lean into your true identity because you would think it's a detractor or it takes away from you. That's not what the place is to create. When you create, you don't want to think about detractions or things that take away, but you want to cherish how it adds to. And then you want to add further to it. Is this making sense, Arthi, or am I talking too much gibberish? No, it's it's totally making sense. It's actually even helping me with, you know, I said I, I was having a bit of a identity crisis and that's exactly what it was because if I look at myself and who I am, I'm very, very spontaneous, right? And an example, like just somebody reached out to me two days ago, somebody I barely know, but said, I have a family emergency. I can trust you. Can you please take care of my kids? for the next four days because I have to fly to see my sister, right? And I am that person. I am that spontaneous person where it's like, yes, they can come here. They can stay here. They can eat here. I'll drop them to school. Everything is fine. Don't worry about it. Go for it, right? And at that point, working on my routine and my calendar just doesn't come to my mind. I just react, right? And that's where the identity crisis was coming from as well. It's like, who do I want to be or who am I? Or am I even that person who can strive to this dream of achieving all these things if I so easily get deterred, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's where my confusion was about myself. Like, who am I, (laughs) you know? And is this the personality that makes it or is this the personality that just fails, right? So, yeah. (laughs) Interesting choice of words there, Arati. What is the personality that makes it? And what is the percent that fails? What is making it mean? So making it for me is like this. So I, I've done those, you know, as part of 
our accelerator program as well. I've been completing what I need to, what where I want to be in terms of relationship, where I want to be in terms of financial goals and stuff. And in a lot of those places, I feel that I am going where I want to go and I'm doing well. It's when I look at myself and what I want to achieve for myself is where the whole idea of making it comes in from. So I started writing a book, right? And I've done four chapters of it. I really wanted to, I was on this role and I wanted to complete it, right? And I gave myself this arbitrary kind of date that before everybody comes home for Christmas, because it's going to be a madhouse. So before all my families comes in, this is going to be done. Draft one is going to be done, right? And two weeks and... I've been so involved with my daughter. I haven't focused on it. And that's where that thing comes in. Like, I will not be able to make it if this is the person I am, right? If I get deterred so easily or if I get derailed that easily, then I don't make it. So to me, make it is more in terms of this goal that I've set for myself of, you know, doing X, Y, Z in so much time and not finishing it. In terms of the financial success, the relationship, the social aspect, I know I have it. I I know I have it and I know I can give myself to it 100%. But I keep doubting if I can give myself to my own kind of personal dreams 100% as well. Beautiful. First of all, great reflection in, in understanding self and distinguishing between this is what is a dream that I have. These are goals that are set for myself and seems like I feel that I'm falling off of these goals. Firstly, great. Timelines are great because it it kind of organizes our brain to be able to find a path, right? And Mm -hmm. also understand that the path is never a straight path, right? Like anything in your life, Arthi, it was never exactly, nothing really turned out exactly as you planned. Maybe small events did, but larger events in life never really turn out the way we plan it. And if there is any learning in there, the learning is that You can set a goal, but you cannot set the path to get to the goal. You can have somewhat of a direction to get to the goal, but the path itself is going to reveal itself as we create movement and momentum. My interest there or my curiosity or my attention that I want to bring you to there is December is still far away. Christmas is far away. You've got several weeks between now and then. And even if two weeks were gone to give attention to something that may be potentially more important to you than the timeline of your book writing, which is what it seems it is, It's okay. The book can wait. If it takes an extra week, it can still wait, but it will not because you still have enough time to be able to finish the book between now and then. And you will find the time once your daughter is okay. I think what we need to understand, and maybe that's the exercise that you want to do is, and this is the exercise kind of we alluded to, or we did in our first session together in Accelerate, is identify your values. What are your values? What is important to you? And value rank them. Know which value stands out above the others. And you will see your decision-making is not arbitrary. You're not going away from things just because it makes you uncomfortable. You're going away because something else is more valuable to you and is pertinent to you at that moment. And when that is the case, of course, you're going to do that first. Of course. And you must, because that is where your joy sits. Your joy may not be as much in being able to finish that book versus taking care of your sick child if she's sick or whatever is the reason that needs attention, right? So if that's more important, that is more important. You see, today I had these coaching sessions. I do about two to four every day. And then I'm flying out to LA. And my daughter is sick, right? She has uh, this cough. Um, It's a common thing that happens. It's a virus infection. And because of that, she couldn't sleep. She couldn't sleep the night before and she couldn't sleep this night. 
And mm-hmm. of course, my wife takes care of uh, her a lot. And so yesterday I was like, let me do all of the night. Usually we would split like half and half. Like, let me just do all of the night because you have a busy day tomorrow. And I want to take care of my daughter because then I'm going away to LA. And so I was like, let me take care of her. But that doesn't mean that I have less joy this morning because I'm a little bit tired. I had great joy in taking care of my daughter last night, and I'm having a great joy having this conversation. And I'm going to find a way to be able to make both of them work if I can. And if not, I would have simply sent a note saying, RP, I can't do the podcast call today. I cannot coach you today, right? Because what is more important to me? My daughter is more important to me because of my value system. Love is one of my highest values. There is no way I'm discounting love for my daughter for the love of my clients. As much as I love my clients as well, tremendously, but if I had to weigh it, my daughter does come first. And I think that's okay for me. And I'm willing to accept that about myself. So what I'm really trying to create is an understanding before we go into tools and techniques and how you can follow through with certain things that you put out is to understand that life is way more important than a goal that you have. Life is not a set of goals. Life is a set of moments. You right. live moment by moment. You enjoy mm-hmm. moment by moment. You have joy moment by moment. And if you can seize the moment, the goals will happen, not happen, will not really bother you. Because mm-hmm. goals are created by our minds based on our circumstances around us. Right? We create social settings that give us certain goals, which may even be not congruent to us a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. And we only realize it when we achieve those goals. We go, oh, I, wow, I, I got that goal, but it really doesn't give me any happiness. It's there, sure, awesome, good for me, good for them. But it's not really anything that really drives my joy. And that has happened, I'm sure, with you in your life, has happened with me in my life, where we have chased goals that mm-hmm. really were not our goals. It was somebody else's expectation on us. Absolutely, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so why chase such goals? Right? It's somebody's expectation or your own expectation of yourself Nothing wrong with them. Nothing wrong with goals. But let's not forget about what truly matters, which is this moment that we get Mm -hmm. to live, that we get to enjoy, that we get to cherish. Because we don't really know what's happening tomorrow. What we know is what's happening today, right now. So the joy of living life must not be sacrificed for some goal that must be achieved for a certain day. Now, if that joy is actually furthered, if you have more joy because you have a goal to chase, and a lot of us are wired that way, I love my goals, and not because I want to achieve them, but because of what it gets me to become, right? So I'm more interested in the process of it, which is why once I've even set the goals, I suspend them. I don't have a timeline for the goal. I say, oh, that's the goal. It's okay if it happens in one month. It's okay if it happens in five years or 10 years or never. I am okay with it because what I'm becoming in the process of creating that outcome in the world outside is what I'm truly excited about. That's interesting. That's interesting because that means that when I look at having succeeded, I'm looking at the end goal. Whereas what you're saying is what I should be looking at is the growth that I'm achieving as part of that journey, right? Yes. Arthi writing four chapters is grown a lot more as a writer than Arthi written zero chapters. Mm, right. right. And Arthi with the book would have grown even more. And so she both. But we can't associate our joy to the book. The joy is to becoming a better writer, right? Mm -hmm. And we can reprogram ourselves for that, right? It's our programming is, of course, associated to goals. There's, I'm not saying tomorrow you'll wake up and you will not look at your goals. That's not going to happen because all Mm -hmm. our life, we are associated with goals. All our childhood, all the school education, everything is associated with goals, 
right? And the celebration through goals, right? Mm -hmm. Versus the journey that is in the moment, right? So it's, it's a lot of reprogramming that is required, but it is at least in your intellect self and understanding of what truly is important to you. If this is more important to you, I'm sharing my experience here, right? What's more important to me is the growth, is the journey, because I know the goals, achieving a lot of goals in my past, I know that's not where my joy sits. I might have celebrated that for an evening or an afternoon or a morning, but after that, I moved on to finding the next thing because that's the, the real thing. The real, just the reason why I had a goal is because it unlocked something in me, mm -hmm. right? That's why I have the goal, which is why the goals change based on what I want to unlock, right? Mm -hmm. So the curiosity must stay with that, or at least that's one of my thoughts for you to consider is not wonder about goals, but wonder about the journey. Now, interestingly, what we were really talking about is how you fall off the wagon, and what the next step would be how to get back on the wagon, right? So mm -hmm. the reason why you fall off the wagon is probably because of your value system. There's nothing wrong with your value system. That is your value system. And that's truth and honest about you. Uh, the thing that you want to understand about your value system versus your needs is because sometimes they get conflicted. Now, again, if somebody is in need and needs to leave their kids with you, that may be your value system, but it may also be your need. So that's something that for you to discover, right? And that you can discover by saying, how often do you say yes or no to people when they ask something, right? This seems like a really genuine ask. So saying yes seems like I would say yes. I would like totally leave the kids at my house. It's absolutely all good. It's fine. I know I'm not trying to please the person. I'm genuinely wanting to support someone. Now, there might be instances where you might be saying yes, so just so that you can get acceptance and approval of someone, right? And that you need to check. So I'm not going to lean into that too much because that's a whole different box of worms. And we will go into a different conversation, which may not be serving what we decided that we're going to work on today. But that's something for your curiosity to lean into as to how boundary you are and how good you are with them as mm -hmm. an enforcer of those boundaries. And if you're saying yes, just for getting uh, approval and acceptance, or you're saying yes, when people actually really need you. And that would be truly reflected on how often you say no. Mm -hmm. Right? right, because a good boundary person says no probably as often as yes. Yep, I learned that through my journey with Evercoach. So, so now I don't say yes for acceptance or approval. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> amazing, amazing. So now let's right. let's think about what gets you back on wagon. So the reason why I wanted to explore what got you off of wagon is to create acceptance around it's okay to get off the wagon. Now let's discover what will get you back on on a journey. What is it, Arti, that gets you started into a project? So, for example, you said, hey, once I get started, I can get continuity for three weeks, four weeks, six weeks, and then I fall off the wagon. What gets you started? It's usually a vision. It's it's usually kind of, I, I have a picture in my head. It's, you know, if it's health-wise, it's like, okay, I wanted to climb a mountain and I wanted to see the volcano live, right? So... When I was really into my workouts and everything, it was because that was my vision. I was just like, yes, I got to do this, right? So so that's usually what it is. But if I don't have that vision for every little thing, then, then those things just start falling off. And mm -hmm. like my health, after I climbed that mountain in April, I had an amazing experience. But then suddenly there was like, Okay, done. And getting back into now sticking to it has become a challenge for me, right? Mm -hmm. so, so, so new visions. <laughs> yeah. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. And and most of us are like that, right? Most of us are people who need something to chase, 
And the reason to chase is not because, you know, this, this is an analogy that, that I love is a lot of the times we think life is like a movie, but life is more like a series, a TV series with a lot of episodes. And the episodes change based on interest or the outcome of the episode that is needed, right? Uh, any series that you might have watched, even with the most continuous through line to it, every episode has one conflict, one outcome, right? You know, mm-hmm. this is the paths to progress that will be created in this episode. And then there's another conflict in the next episode, another conflict next episode. That's why these episodes are so engaging. And what we need in our life is also a series of things that we need to aspire towards. So what may be interesting is to, and just clarify how you do these vision things, is do they just come to your mind or do you make them real by writing them down or making it more visible or sharing it with someone? Do you have a process around that or just one day you are watching a documentary or climbing mountains and you say, I'm going to climb a mountain? How does that work? It's more like that, very spontaneous. It's like I see something and I'm like, yeah, got to do that, right? So. Awesome. Spontaneous is great. And here is a layer to add to your amazing spontaneity, right? If you want to stay consistent, right? If you want to stay consistent in the sense of, if you want to say consistently work on your health, if that's a category that is important to you, is you know that something, an event is going to trigger something for you. And that's why, for example, we say, come to the Mexico event and accelerate. And if you saw my note, that's the reason why we want you to come is because it's an event that triggers something, right? So you want to find out what are the categories that are important to you. Say, let's take health as an example and say, what is the thing that I need to do that will trigger me into creating action towards this thing, right? Because an event triggers it. An event can be a documentary of looking at people climbing stuff and saying, wow, that looks fascinating. I want to do the same. An event could be talking to a friend that has gone from not being healthy to healthy, uh, event can be to actually physically attend an event that talks about such stuff. Event could be anything. But what you're really looking for is to say, how can I engineer events around my life so I am always inspired for the next thing? Mm. Until it is a habit. And there are things that are your habit at this point, right? There are things, let's say, for example, you may have a very particular eating habit right now. Sleeping habit, waking up habit. These are the habits that you've learned to accept. It will be hard to break these habits. These habits are there. But then something like that you're adding to your life that is goal-driven, it will only become a habit when there's continuous goals that are associated to it. It's like creating a series around your health journey. So what if there was a series called Arthi's Health? And then there will be a season of yoga. And then there will be a season of extreme gym workout. There will be a season of uh, CrossFit and a season of strength training and a season of climbing and a season of swimming. And those are all seasons that are happening. And in the series of RT's health, those seasons or those episodes are going to be episodes. They don't need to stay consistent because they are changing by what the momentum is being driven. What's the goal being driven at the end of the episode? Is this making sense to you? Yeah, it's really making sense, Ajit. And it's really liberating to hear because I always get the feeling that I have to be repetitive and doing the same thing because... When you see the health junkies, they've been doing that same thing for so many years, right? And you're like, oh my God, I can't stick to it. But this is almost liberating because it it's almost giving room for fluidity and for being spontaneous and trying out different things and still saying that health as a goal is something that I'm working on, but just not how it's shown on TV, right? <laughs> just, just in a different format, 
right? And even, even if you look at people who may feel like health junkies, until they got to a point where, like I said, there is a particular way that you wake up, there's a particular way you sleep. Until you get to that point, you're not doing the same thing. Mm. Until that time, you are doing different things. So even the person that today feels like they're doing the same thing every day, when they started, they were not doing the same thing every day. They had seasons and episodes and all of that. At a point, they found what's most optimized for them. And then they said, it's like waking up. It's not like going to the gym. It's not taking care of my health. It is literally like waking up, right? So you wake up the way you wake up because you've done it enough times to know exactly how you like to wake up or how you like to sleep or how you like to brush your teeth. Things that you've found consistent in your life, you do it the same. It's like if you were going to an office and you took the same road every day because you mm-hmm. found the most optimized route, you're not going to change it unless it starts to break, right? That's what that health junkie is doing or that fitness junkie is doing or whatever junkie is such a bad word, but like the <laughs> fitness enthusiast and the health enthusiast or writer is doing is because they found the model that works for them. If you remember, I think it's Stephen King who wrote the book on writing. And I think I could be wrong about the person who said it, but there was definitely a very successful writer that talks, or maybe it was James Peterson who says this, but they say that they wake up every single day at 4 a.m. and write until 8 or 9 sorry, 10, something like that. They go to work four to eight or something. Some obnoxious are like that. I could be wrong about the hours. But basically they do that. They write mm-hmm. four or five hours. They go and they write. They have a den that they go to with no internet and all they do is write, right? It sounds extraordinarily boring to me. <laughs> and I'm sure there was a point in their life that they tried everything and found the way it works for them is to wake up at an obnoxious hour go write for six, eight hours and then come to their life and have their tea or coffee or whatever the thing that they need to do. And it's fine. They found their model. Good for them. You find Mm -hmm. yours. But until you find it, you got to try a lot of different things. you got to live through a lot of episodes and then eventually something will be like, this just feels right and I just want to do this. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Then let's do more of that. Right. Right? But it's okay to be varied or diverse until you find what actually will stick for you. It's only fair. Right? So be diverse. Try different things. There's nothing wrong with that. And treat it like episodes so you can have vision for everything. Right? Writing your book is an episode. Right? And that episode involves two weeks of break because your daughter is needing your help. Or six weeks of break if that is what the episode requires. Right. And the conclusion in Christmas time might be, well, it's not going to finish by Christmas. It will finish by 31st of January. And that's okay to have a conclusion as of an episode as well. Right. Mm-hmm. What we are really trying to find is what is it that gets us into action. And as long as we can stay in action until we find something that works over a long period of time. You see, there's a particular setup that works for me as a setting. Like you would see, I always have an office because I know the way I can get most out of myself is to go to work every morning around 9 a.m. or so and finish my work around 2 p.m. or so. And that's really what works for me. I don't care what somebody tells me about how coaches need to have more time, less time, that they work 12 hours, 16 hours. I do not care. I found my system that works where I have time for myself, my well-being, my wife, my kids, my friends, my everything that I want to have time for. And I've optimized it for it. And now it looks boring from the outside. Literally, there was a coach I was sitting with two days ago. And they were like, Ajit, how is it that you get all of this stuff done? 
How is it? You have like so many different businesses. You do so many different things. You still have time to do podcasts, a YouTube channel, a, a this and a that. You're active on so many things. You still go to events. Like what the hell? How do you have time for it? I was like, because I go to work. I go nine to two. I work every single day. And so I can get everything done because I know I have those five hours. Within that time, I must finish everything. Occasionally when I'm recording videos, like for example, if it was an all-day podcast, I might go until four or five. Otherwise, two o'clock, I'm done. And then I read, I go for my workout, I go uh, with my family, my friends, whatever that is that is on the agenda that day. But I go to work. But that's my thing. It's not Arti's thing. It's not going to be Arti's thing. Arti's got to find her own thing. The reason why I'm sharing all of this, Arti, is that you will eventually get to a place where some things will become as clockwork for you as it can. right? And you won't find it hard to get back on the wagon. But until that time, the way for Arti to get back on wagon and for a lot of our listeners to get back on wagon is not to go beat ourselves up on why we're not following the routine. Mm-hmm. It is to find a new vision that helps us create a new routine. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So what would that vision be for Arti that gets her back into health? Will it be a documentary? And can we set that up by design? Mm-hmm. Right. We can, right? You can set yourself up to say, you know, if, do you have a partner or, or maybe with your daughter, yeah. you watch documentaries? Yeah. So let's say you say, hey, you know what? For the next one month, we're watching only documentaries that are on health and well-being. That's our evening routine, right? We're not watching uh, Never Have I Ever. We're not watching Indian Matchmaker. We're not watching Extraction 2. We're not watching the new Marvel series. We're not watching none of that. We're watching documentaries. That's what we're watching. And so let's watch that. And as we watch that, something's going to trigger food or something extreme that you want to do or something fun that you want to do. And that would give you your next vision, right? And it can be done for everything. And it actually might trigger that for your entire family. And that's the best thing that can happen because everybody then is saying, well, let's do that. That sounds fun. Let's do it together as a family, right? So let's find those triggers in our lives, in our beingness, in areas that are interesting for us so we can trigger those actions in our life. How does that sound for you, Arpi? You that actually sounds so doable and so much more fun. Yeah. <laughs> it feels light, it feels fun. And it also, like I said, it gives permission for being spontaneous and to have a little bit of fluidity as well, right? So I, I love that. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's beautiful. What are some of the areas that you would like to trigger a new vision and where you're finding it hard to get back on the wagon? Definitely help. That would be probably number one. Another thing would probably be relationship because, you know, we've been married 15 years. So I do feel that we could do with changing things up a bit. And definitely that would be great. And also for myself, I want to play around with the idea where you said that, you know, it's good to have a goal, but to suspend time. But the other thing that I've realized is I get more excited with visions rather than goals. And so I seem to have put this pressure on myself by giving myself goals as opposed to a vision. Um, And maybe that is something that I want to play with as well for myself, you know. So when it comes to my own personal achievements, maybe I want to start putting a vision together because I seem to go through the envisioning exercise, but my immediate reaction is always, how can I distill this into a goal with a set date and a set time and all of that, right? And I like the idea of being able to play with that vision and for it to be about my growth along the way as opposed to what's happening at the end, right? So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so let's do that. 
if vision is more exciting for you, there is no reason for you to follow the world order of having goals. Mm-hmm. Fine. Arbitrary is okay till the time it drives behavior. Because the idea of goals or vision is so that every day we can be inspired in our life to do things that are exciting for us, to create a new mm-hmm. version of ourselves. That's the goal. The goal is not the goal. The goal is that. Uh, the vision is not the vision. The vision is that every day, how we get to live a better version of ourselves, how we get us to do things that we know are not safe, but are important to us. Mm-hmm. Right? Not safe in the sense they're not, they're not within that realm of everyday activity. It's different activity. So it's going to push us to become a better version of ourselves. And we want to do that because it's not only a better version of ourselves, it's the truest version of ourselves. Right? So it's not just better. It's actually more honest. Mm-hmm. Right, because we mm-hmm. suspend the fear when we say I'm going to grow into this vertical. We suspend the fear of what people will think. We suspend the fear of what we're being told. We lean into what is true power for us, true power in the sense personal power for us, not external mm-hmm. exerted power, but personal power for us. So let's lean into that mm-hmm. and find that to be a driver. And if vision is being that thing, let's have vision to that thing. But let's have vision in different areas and know and kind of set up a system for ourselves so we can remember this, right? Because otherwise we'll forget next time we fall off the wagon, we'll forget this, right? Right. Set up a system for ourselves. So we are always in the circle where if we are not finding the vision automatically or forcing ourselves or finding, hey, I need to trigger an episode, the episode is already getting triggered because of the system we have around us, Mm -hmm. right? So here's an example of how you could have such systems, right? You already are part of Accelerate. So that will be one reason why for at least the next one year, you have a system around you that will constantly push you to have a vision or a new version of vision for yourself. So that's awesome. You've got one big thing sorted, one place sorted, but you need more. And the more you have, the more you'll be in the container of uh, a reality where you're always getting triggered to say, oh, this could be bigger than, right? So one could be, Hey, every single week, let's say, or on every Saturday or every Friday and Saturday, when we have TV time with the family, it must be a documentary before we watch the latest movie that we are all excited about. We must watch a health documentary before we can watch that movie, right? So it's almost like you're triggering fun alongside something that's going to trigger vision, right? Because Mm -hmm. watching the latest movie or the latest series is fun. Of course, it is. It's hilarious or whatever that is. It's exciting, right? But if you trigger that with health, what you know now is health is also fun. Right. So what happens is you have association over time of health with fun, right? Mm -hmm. And you're gamifying it a little bit and it's becoming more fun. It becomes more easy to actually follow through on it, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And it it shouldn't feel like a constraint though. Like, so it shouldn't feel like, oh, I'm, you know, I have to eat seven salads before I can watch a movie that I like, Right. Because that feels like constraining. It feels like almost like, you know, it, it doesn't have a good feeling attached to it. A good feeling is where it feels like, oh, it could be fun to watch a food documentary. It's only maybe an hour to watch a two-hour movie after that. Well, it's three hours of TV. Yes, it's probably a lot. But at the same point in time, it's at least something that is creating a new vision for you while you're getting to entertain yourself. And documentaries are more fun than eating salads to start with, Right. And then eventually salads become fun because you learn how to, let's say you watch a documentary about how to make salads interesting and fun, which is definitely mm-hmm. a case. You can make salads really, really fun. So, so you can do that, right? Great. So that's the documentary we're going to watch. And that's great. 
right? So you want to find those things that would trigger fun. For example, a thing that I, I do is that I try to always stack my book reading with my workout or my walking, right? At least I used to because I love reading and listening to books. Actually, I love listening to books, right? But what I had triggered, which may seem like restriction, but was fun eventually, is I said, I only get to read my book that I'm so excited to read. Like it's usually a personal development psychology or whatever is the divergent thinking I'm doing at that time. I get to read this only when I go for a walk, right? Mm. Which created a scenario where I must go for a walk pretty much every hour, right? At least mm. a walk. It could be a walk. It could be the gym too. But walk was preferred because at that time I was trying to build a behavior of 15,000 steps a day, right? Mm-hmm. So, and now I was able to do it because I was like, oh, I want to listen to the book. I must not sit on my desk. I have to walk as I'm listening to the book. Great. Amazing. It's a fun thing to do, both of them together, right? And so you find stacking. It's called, you can call it, I don't know what it's called, but let's call it fun stacking, right? So you're doing two activities. One is a new behavior and one is an existing behavior that you love, mm-hmm. right? And the love thing also must somehow be able to do with the new behavior you want to build, right? Because you don't want to say, I'll watch TV and walk, right? Because you can't do that. Right. Or it will not be conducive, I think. But listening to a book and walk does work together. Right. So you want to find those matching fun activities. And then hopefully you'll be able to follow through on those habits, the new habits that you're picking up as well more easily. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Arti, health is one. What else? Another thing that you're going to work on in the coming few days and weeks? So, definitely redesigning how I'm looking at my own personal achievements. I think I need to re-describe them for myself, redesign it to make it okay, right? Another thing that I think I'll be, it's something that Fran talked about recently was about making your calendar your best friend. And I think that is another place where, because I keep being spontaneous in so many ways, my calendar always kind of falls apart, right? And as I was doing that exercise, that's one of the fears that came up for me, like, you know, Yes, I can try and program my calendar, but I know it's going to fall off because I have issues with consistency (laughs) and I tend to be more spontaneous and say yes to things without thinking what's in my calendar right now, right? So that's another area where I need to get better at. And I think continuing on what you've just explained Again, probably getting inspiration from people who are able to design their calendars to be more accommodating and giving space for things that just happen. Maybe that is the next thing that I need to also do. Look for some inspiration there and see how I can design my calendar. So maybe my calendar will not be a well-designed seven to five calendar, but it might be a well-designed 10 to two calendar, giving me space in the morning and the evening to what might show up, right? Here's the thing, Arti, and that's why it's so important to always know that there is the truth that the world tells you and there's a social uh, understanding of something and then there's the truth about yourself, right? Because there's no way for us to generalize human beings. There's just no way, right? We can try to, and a lot of the books do that and even my books do that, but that's mostly so we can have some understanding and get to work from some baseline. But if you really have to talk about the truth of every human, it's so divergent or so different for every person that there is no way anybody can say, you know what, this is the only way to do things. Here's something that I want you to introduce. This is a newer understanding I've had as I'm speaking to more and more and coaching more and more people is there are people who can follow a calendar 
and that works for them and that's beautiful and amazing and you must try that out. If it doesn't work for you, there's another set of people who are actually more consistent when there is no calendar. Okay, here is what it means. So people who are good with calendars are usually tend to be people who are very good with internal responsibility or they can treat something like a page or piece of paper as the word of God or a word of the truth of the world or whatever the thing is, right? These are people like me. I can put something on the calendar and there's no way it's getting negotiated, right? Very rarely it can get negotiated and it's usually negotiated like 48 hours before. So I will know 48 hours before that that thing's not happening, right? Something like that, right? Good for me, right? But then there is Arti. And Arti is because she's so spontaneous, and that's my wife as well, by the way, Nita, right? She can follow a calendar, but that's really not where her joy comes and sits in, right? Her joy is spontaneity. She loves being spontaneous. She would, two days before decide, we're going to do a 60-person party and 60 people will show up two days later. I have no idea how that happens. And it'll be all organized as well within those two days because she felt like she wants to have that. And that can happen. And I'm like mind blown that that can happen. So there's superpower in that, being that spontaneous as a person, right? So what found is what is helpful for spontaneous people is to have a calendar, but with flexibility. Mm-hmm. So for example, somebody like me would say, I go to the gym every Monday, Tuesday, and Friday at three o'clock in the afternoon. That is somebody like me on my calendar. You will see it's actually literally this every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at three o'clock. I go to the gym for an hour. It can be hour. It can be 45 minutes with basically block for an hour, which means I can also replace it with a walk. But basically that's what my health time It literally says health on my calendar. Right. Mm -hmm. So do something for health, basically. Right. So that would be somebody who can follow a calendar to a T. Great for me. I can follow that. What Arti's calendar or even Nita's calendar would say is work out three times this week between the time of two and seven. Right. It doesn't have a date. It mm-hmm. doesn't have the exact time. It has room for flexibility, but it does get done. Right. All right. Because what happens with spontaneous people is, let's say right now, you go, oh, my daughter is asleep, hypothetically, right? She's asleep. She's going to sleep for two hours. Somebody's at the house. I can actually leave. Let me go do this class at Orange Story, or let me go for a run, or let me go for a walk, or let me go do my 10X, or whatever that is that is your driver. Let me go do that while she's sleeping. And if you would have put it on the calendar, there's no way for you to know she's going to sleep for two hours at that time, mm-hmm. right? So you have more control on your spontaneity because of flexibility overall, right? So you want to have more of a narrative of saying, I need to do X between this time and this time over the period of this time, right? Mm -hmm. And then associate something that will get you to take action because you actually want to do the fun thing. For example, for me, it was, I get to listen to my book that I've been listening to or I've been reading only when I go for a walk. Now Mm -hmm. I want to read the next few chapters, so I will make sure I go for a walk because that's the only time I get to do that, right? So it's not a negative fun, it's a positive fun that I'm getting to have while I'm doing something that is a new habit or a new thing that I'm doing, right? So you have the flexibility of whenever you wanna do it, but it has something associated that would trigger that flexibility to actually kick in because you need that. Otherwise you're gonna be, you know, I'm sure this has happened. I put it three times on my calendar or three times in the week, but I have not really done it, right? Mm-hmm. And that's because there's nothing, nothing associated as a reward, mm-hmm. right? So any habit, and if you've read, you said you read Atomic Habits, so you know the cue and the reward system, right? 
that's just known for habit building. It's, it's not a new new system. You you are cued to do something and you will follow up on a habit and the habit is actually giving you a reward, right? It's the same thing. You cue, I want to listen to my book. The habit is you need to go for a walk. The reward is you get to listen to the book. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So yeah, you're totally. associating a different reward that triggers the habit you want to build. And eventually your habit becomes strong enough that it doesn't need the same reward. The habit itself is a reward. Right. Does it make sense? Yeah. And it felt, even as you were describing it, it felt so much lighter, Ajit, when you said that, you know, just my calendar could be something like somewhere between two and seven, three times a week, I will have achieved this, right? It already feels so much lighter and so much more doable as opposed to I have to do this at so-and-so time. And I think it resonates better with me because when we were doing the value exercise, for me, it was love freedom and independence. Like those were my top ones, right? So this feels in a way like I will have the freedom to to pick and choose depending on the day, depending on what's shown up and still achieve what I want to achieve, right? So yeah, it's it's great. Keep me posted on what works for you. Again, I'm not saying all of this will work for you. This is something that Mm -hmm. we try. These are episodes of our life, right? We got to get comfortable with, we're going to try a couple of things. Some things will work, some things won't. And that's okay. The journey is, did we become a better version of ourselves on the other end or not? Right? Arti, what are some of your key takeaways from this conversation that we had today? Oh, so key takeaways, I think definitely about understanding life and understanding that I am on this self-growth kind of journey, but acknowledging and enjoying the life, which I do enjoy a lot, but knowing that it's okay and, and taking time out for that is not something to feel bad about, you know. I I guess that's just the truth of how I want to live my life. And I love that. (laughs) And other than that, just understanding that also my habits are probably not going to be the way they look for other people. My habits are probably going to be different. Understanding that the things that drive me are more vision and... uh, and trying to create that into my life, like have triggers where I'm constantly inspired and excited to try something out, to try something new, whether it's food or health or even finances and stuff, you know, like new ways of traveling, of budgeting or whatever, but just being inspired all the time. I think that is amazing. So I, I think the inspiration to surround myself with inspiration, that's something that is one of my big takeaways as well. And then definitely working with my calendar, but working with it in a way that is, again, true to to me and my values, which is uh, my calendar will probably be a little more fluid, which is okay. And lastly, also revisiting my own personal achievement goals and trying to understand why I want them and looking deeper into the kind of growth I want out of them, whether or not I achieve them. So, Beautiful. Thank you so much, Arati, for taking the time. It was fun having a conversation with you and I will see you soon.